For a large selection of books on a variety of apologetics themes, be sure to visit the Utah Christian Research Center, located at 579 West Galena Park Place in the city of Draper. The Utah Christian Research Center is open Wednesday through Saturday at 10 a.m. Viewpoint on Mormonism, the program that examines the teachings of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints from a biblical perspective. Viewpoint on Mormonism is sponsored by Mormonism Research Ministry. Since 1979, Mormonism Research Ministry has been dedicated to equipping the body of Christ with answers regarding the Christian faith in a manner that expresses gentleness and respect. And now, your host for today's Viewpoint on Mormonism. Welcome to this edition of Viewpoint on Mormonism. I'm your host, Bill McKeever, founder and director of Mormonism Research Ministry. And with me today is Eric Johnson, my colleague at MRM. Continuing our look in the book, Discourses of Brigham Young, a compilation of statements Brigham Young, the second president of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, made while he was a leader in the LDS Church in the 19th century, and a book that was given away as a Christmas gift in 1992 by the First Presidency of the Church. And that's why we're going through it and other books that were given away as Christmas gifts, because of, we assume, their doctrinal value. In the Discourses of Brigham Young, there's an interesting heading to a quote on page 97. Now, Eric, I think this is probably more an editing problem than anything else, but when I read this quotation with this phrase in front of it, you can understand why I drew the wrong conclusion. Let me explain what I'm talking about. On page 97, it says in italics, eternal increase. And then it says, whenever we get into the kingdom of heaven where God and Christ dwell, we shall find something more to do than sit and sing ourselves away to everlasting bliss. And that quotation is in quotation marks. Then it says, the mind of man is active and we must have exercise and amusement for the mind as well as the body. Now, remember, we've been explaining that this book is kind of like a a regurgitation of quotations by Brigham Young, and it gives you a reference at the end of the paragraph where that quotation was originally cited. And in this case, it comes from volume 12, page 313 of the Journal of Discourses. Now, why did I draw a wrong conclusion on this? Because when you read the phrase eternal increase, and you know what that means in Mormonism, to procreate eternally, and and to explain what I mean by that, Eric, what's that citation from Joseph Fielding Smith, the 10th president of the church, which explains what I'm talking about? Yeah, and this comes from Doctrines of Salvation, volume 2, page 68. He said, those who attain to the exaltation in the celestial kingdom shall have the power of eternal increase of posterity, and they shall be above all, because all things are subject unto them. Here you see Joseph Fielding Smith is explaining quite clearly that eternal increase is this idea of eternally procreating. So why did this strike me funny? Well, when you see that heading, eternal increase, and then it says that we shall find something more to do than sit and sing ourselves away to everlasting bliss, I'm thinking he's talking about procreation here. And I just thought that sounds so strange that Brigham Young even would make a statement like that. But here's the the catch, folks. 
This statement has nothing to do with eternal increase when you look at it in its proper context. If you go to page 313 in volume 12 of the Journal of Discourses, where this quotation comes from, Brigham Young is talking about amusements like the theater, and he even mentions that. He says, I built that theater to attract the young of our community and to provide amusement for the boys and girls, rather than have them running all over creation for recreation. Long before that was built, I said to the bishops, get up your parties and pleasure grounds to amuse the people. And then it goes on to say, whenever we get into the kingdom of heaven, where God and Christ dwell, we shall find something more to do than to sit and sing ourselves away to everlasting bliss. The mind of man is active, and we must have exercise and amusement for the mind as well as the body. He's not talking about having exercise and amusement through the act of procreation. He's talking about, in this context, something like going to the theater. And then he even continues after that paragraph that says, You go into that theater, and what is there behind the curtain that would disgrace the most perfect lady on the face of the earth? not the least in the world. So it has nothing to do with the understanding of of eternal increase. I think another thing that this does show, though, very clearly, is the misunderstanding of what heaven is like. And when he says, sit and sing ourselves away to everlasting bliss, we have many Latter-day Saints to whom we have conversations, and they oftentimes will say that they think our version of heaven is sitting on a cloud playing a harp, and that it won't be any fun at all. And wouldn't you rather be with your family? And I think that's a complete misunderstanding of what heaven is, according to what the Bible teaches. I think the reason why a lot of Mormons find our understanding of eternity to be boring is because they don't have the same love relationship that we have with Jesus as our Savior. We can find eternal bliss in being with our Savior for the price that he paid on our behalf. For Mormons, that's not a real big deal, because let's be serious— In a Mormon understanding of eternity, Jesus really plays no role whatsoever after the judgment. Now everything focuses on the individual human himself who was fortunate enough, in their view, to be exalted and to become a god, to rule their own world as Heavenly Father rules this one. And as we mentioned before with that comment by Jeffrey Holland, how it wouldn't be heaven without his wife and his children, Jeffrey Holland doesn't get it. He thinks heaven is built all around his family. But that's not what the Bible says. It's built around the person of Jesus Christ. But Mormons don't understand it that way. So I think you're right in your conclusion regarding that. Here's another quote from the, uh, from the Discourses of Brigham Young on page 56. He says, This is the plan of salvation. Jesus will never cease his work until all are brought up to the enjoyment of a kingdom in the mansions of his Father, where there are many kingdoms and many glories to suit the works and faithfulness of all men that have lived on the earth. Some will obey the celestial law and receive of its glory. Some will abide the terrestrial, and some the telestial, and others will receive no glory. Now, that goes along with what we've said many times on this show, And this being that when you're talking to a Latter-day Saint, you ask them, well, are you keeping celestial law? I've often asked this question of Latter-day Saints. Sometimes they don't even know what celestial law is, so I have to educate them on what that phrase means. But this is what Brigham Young is talking about. 
If you are keeping a celestial law, you will receive celestial glory. If, however, you're not keeping celestial law, let's say you're keeping terrestrial law. In other words, you're living a life, you're believing things that will qualify you for the lower heaven of the terrestrial kingdom, then that's where you will go. If you don't qualify for the terrestrial law, but you're not a son of perdition or anyone like that, you're probably going to end up in the telestial kingdom, the lower level. That's what Brigham Young is talking about. Now, does the New Testament teach anything like this? No, not at all. The word telestial is a made-up word by Joseph Smith to begin with. You do find it in his Joseph Smith translation, but it's not found in any other Bible version that I know of. And if I'm wrong on that, I would hope that a Mormon would certainly correct me on that. Listen to this quote on page 392, what Brigham Young had to say. The celestial kingdom. The celestial is the highest of all. The telestial and terrestrial are also spoken of. And how many more kingdoms of glory there are is not for me to say. I do not know that they are not innumerable. This is a source of great joy to me. That is an odd statement because I can't recall ever hearing any leader in the Mormon church making a comment quite like that. Now, Brigham Young was known to speculate You could say he was like the origin of Mormonism, origin being a patristic. And so he did come up with a lot of things that he probably couldn't really justify, but merely they were ideas that he had putting these thoughts together and so forth, which of course makes it very confusing when you hear him say things like this, because I've always understood that, yes, there is a telestial at the bottom, there is a terrestrial above it, and then you have the celestial. Now, I, I know that Mormon leaders have taught that within the celestial kingdom, there are three levels in there. They don't normally talk about the lower and the second level. They always talk about the top level. This is known as the church of the firstborn. That is the goal of every faithful Latter-day Saint, to get in the church of the firstborn, because that is where all the perks are given as a reward for an individual's faithfulness. And so when you talk about celestial law, however, just getting into that kingdom is absolutely essential, of course. But it takes living a certain life in order to qualify for that. In other words, you have to have repented or confessed and forsaken all of your sins, and you had to be successful at keeping all of the commandments. That's how celestial law has been defined. I think we ought to wrap up the show by explaining what a person has to do to be able to get into any of the kingdoms, especially the celestial kingdom. This first quote comes from page 87 of Discourses of Brigham Young, and he says, We are placed on this earth to prove whether we are worthy to go into the celestial world, the terrestrial, or the telestial, or to hell, or to any other kingdom or place. And we have enough of life given to us to do this. And then another quote on page 390 that shows how much you have to do. Listen to what he says. If Brother Brigham shall take a wrong track and be shut out of the kingdom of heaven, no person will be to blame but Brother Brigham. I am the only being in heaven, earth, or hell that can be blamed. This will equally apply to every Latter-day Saint. Salvation is an individual operation I am the only person that can possibly save myself. When salvation is sent to me, I can reject it or receive it. 
Wow, those are pretty strong words. But let's go back to that first quote that you had from page 87, Eric. We are placed on this earth to prove whether we are worthy to go into the celestial world, the terrestrial or the telestial, or to hell or to any other kingdom. Notice what Brigham Young is saying here, at least in this quotation. He's saying that's why we're here on earth right now, to prove ourselves worthy. This is what Mormons call the mortal probation. And other leaders like Joseph Fielding Smith have made it very clear that this is the time for men to do what they're supposed to do if they hope to receive celestial exaltation in the next life. But yet, how many times have we heard some Latter-day Saints say, well, that's okay, if I don't do everything I'm supposed to do now, I can make up for it after the resurrection. Does that sound like what Brigham Young is saying, at least in this quote? He says, and we have enough of life given to us to do this. I think we need to ask the Latter-day Saints who are listening to us right now, how are you doing at that? If you do ask your LDS acquaintance if they're doing everything that's required for celestial exaltation, don't be surprised if they don't know. When you are given a long list of things you need to accomplish, how can anyone know that they've met all the requirements for celestial exaltation that is on that list? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information regarding Mormonism Research Ministry, we encourage you to visit our website at www.mrm.org, where you can request our free newsletter, Mormonism Researched. We hope you will join us again as we look at another viewpoint on Mormonism.